Open Field Radio. Like, subscribe, share, and review wherever podcasts are found. Open Field Radio. Cool people having conversations about agriculture and life. Where ag and life collide. Brought to you by Gow. Robert Chang, American Truffle Company. Truffles in America. We talk it all right now. Hello, America, and a growing audience around the world. Welcome to Open Field Radio. Very cool show today. It seemed timely. It's autumn, uh, holidays, all those kind of things. We're going to eat a lot of food, so truffles. Okay, that makes sense, I think. Our guest today, Robert Chang and the American Truffle Company. We'll see where this goes. I know nothing about truffles, and I hope we all learn something very, very, very cool today. I know they're expensive. I know they're rare. That's about where it ends for me. Robert and his company are out to improve the entire truffle experience from cultivation to harvest and the success rate of farming truffles in North America. That's the catch right there. Robert's going to talk all about it. There's some science involved and some other things. You don't want to miss it. I was doing a little housekeeping on the Open Field Radio site, and if you haven't visited it yet, make sure you do. It's just openfieldradio.com. But for all of you that are subscribers to the site, and subscriptions are free, just sign up. It's an email thing, you know. Make sure you go to your email and confirm your email, or you're not getting any of the announcements of the shows coming up and anything else we're talking about. So make sure you do that. If you subscribe, there will be a confirmation email. Make sure you confirm that email, okay? If you haven't subscribed yet, check it out for yourself. We hope you do. Open Field Radio Season 2, Episode 6, coming your way in, give or take, 90 seconds. Open Field Radio. I don't know about you, but it seems like everywhere I turn right now, there's something about jobs and the abundance of jobs available out there. Well, here's one to throw in the mix. Skip the job. How about a career at Gowan? Maybe you're in agriculture. Maybe you're in science. Maybe you're none of that. Check it out at gowanco.com careers. Great opportunities available, and they're all cool. Careers right here in America and around the world. Come see it for yourself. That's gowanco.com careers. And tell them you heard it on Open Field Radio. So you know when you're digging around online and you find those lists of if you like this, then that, well, this one's pretty cool. Maybe it's one of those they know you buy the company you keep kind of things. But I found a list that said if you like open field radio, then you might like these podcasts. Check it out. How about Smartless with Jason Bateman, Sean Hayes, and Will Arnett? Not bad. How about the Ben Shapiro show from the Daily Wire? How about Dateline NBC? How about the Daily Show from the New York Times? That's only the biggest podcast in the world. NPR News and Conan O'Brien's podcast. You know what? You know them by the company they keep. That's pretty good company. That's why you listen to Open Field Radio. Cool people having conversations about agriculture and life. Open Field Radio. Open Field Radio, Season 2, Episode 6 with Robert Chang and the American Truffle Company starts right now. What is a truffle? Is it a vegetable? Is it a fruit? What is it? Yeah, so good question. Uh, truffle, by nature, it, it's a fungus. Okay. There, there are two broad categories of fungi. The, the fungus that we typically know and think of, uh, i.e. mushrooms, they are above-ground fungi. But truffles... Truffles are entirely underground, so you cannot see them. And just like mushrooms, truffles are the fruiting bodies of the truffle fungus. So in the same way that a, a button mushroom is the fruiting body of the button mushroom fungus. I've seen it referred to as a tuber as well. Well, so tuber has multiple meanings and connotations. Now, 
when in, in the vernacular, people often use tuber to refer to things like, you know, potatoes. Right. Um, right. And, um, and so truffles are not tubers in that regard. However, uh, it's a bit confusing, <laughs> but, but no, the scientific it. name for truffles, they're, they're in, uh, in a broad category called tuber. So tuber, for, for example, the black Perigord truffle, it, the, the scientific name is called tuber melanosporum, which, you know, if, if you look at the Latin, it literally translates into, you know, black tuber. So, <laughs> um, so, so that's where, that's, that's probably where some of the, the confusion uh, comes from. But, uh, but truffles are, um, are not a, uh, a, a tuber in the traditional sense. They're not potatoes. They're not you know, underground roots or vegetables. Okay. Uh, they are a fungus. But they're not related to the mushroom. Well, they are um, in, in the sense that they're all part of the fungi uh, family. Uh, and, uh, and just like there are thousands of different mushrooms, different species of mushrooms, there are also thousands of different species of, uh, of truffles. So just because something is called a truffle, doesn't necessarily mean uh, it's good. Just like, you know, you have thousands of different species of mushrooms. Not all mushrooms are, are good um, uh, or, or edible. But, um, uh, but for truffles, you know, we, we actually have native North American truffle species everywhere. You probably ha have heard of um, the Oregon truffles. There are also uh, pecan truffles out in the southeast, particularly Georgia. So these are native species of truffles, and they do belong in the tuber family. However, um, they do not have the same culinary value as, say, for example, the Perigord black truffle or the Italian white truffle. And that's because? That's because they have different aromas. They have different texture. And if you ever tried um, the Perigord black truffle or the Italian white truffle, then you know that they have an extraordinary amount of uh, aroma and flavor. And it's a very earthy, very, um, very appealing uh, type of, uh, of aroma. Whereas, for example, there are also a number of different species of Oregon truffles. There's the Oregon black truffles and there's an Oregon white uh, truffle. Um, they have flavors and aromas that are not as appealing as the, uh, the European species. Well, t well, talk to me since we're talking flavor. And for the curious and maybe those that have never experienced the truffle, can you break down the flavor profile a little bit? It's unlike anything else. There's, there's really not, a, not an equivalent uh, kind of aroma and flavor, but uh, some adjectives that come to mind are earthy, um, some somewhat garlicky, it's very primal, it's certainly unique. There's nothing else that, that really comes close to that. That could be the very first time I've ever heard the word primal used in that context. I thought I'd look this up myself and figure out, you know, trying to explain the flavor of something. It's like trying to explain chocolate, right? What does chocolate taste like? It tastes like chocolate. What color is red? Red is red. Well, a truffle, hmm. So I did a little digging, pun intended, and came to the conclusion it's not a Lindor truffle. That's a different thing altogether. But according to Gothamist.com, there's a lot of different ways to describe the flavor and 
odor of a truffle. Now, when we're talking about something you eat, the word odor just shouldn't even come into play. It should be the smell, the aroma. That's my opinion. But you'll hear it described as slightly garlicky with a deep, musky aroma. Again, not a food word. It's very earthy, pungent, and deliciously funky. Again, not a food word. You got a better food word to describe the flavor of a truffle? Email me, info at openfieldradio.com. Help me, please. Truffles actually have uh, have evolved um, over uh, the millennia to be appealing to animals. Because again, truffles are completely underground. And so the only way they can manage to propagate is for animals to dig them up, eat them, and then disperse them. And so, 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 so the way they have co-evolved with animals is such that the truffle itself, um, when it becomes ripe, it starts to release the aroma. And that's how uh, an animal knows, oh, here's, uh, under here is, is a truffle that I should dig up and eat. And so that aroma, in fact, uh, has some very interesting chemical properties. So, for example, you've probably heard uh, that people use pigs to find truffles. Right. And specifically, people have throughout um, uh, history used only female pigs to harvest truffles. And the female pigs do not actually need any training. They respond naturally to the aroma of the truffle because the aroma of the truffle contains substances that are chemically very, very similar to the male pig pheromone. So the female pigs are naturally attracted to it. There's really a primal response when you, you know, when you come across the aroma of a truffle. You're listening to Open Field Radio. Are you looking for a broad-spectrum botanical insecticide that controls key insect pests on outdoor food crops? Well, look no more. Aza Direct Botanical Insecticide. Proven effective in university tests as an insect growth regulator, repellent, and anti-feedant. Listed by OMRI for use in organic production. Accredited by the USDA NOP. It meets new organic guidelines. Fully compatible for use in an IPM program. Program and can be applied up to the day of harvest. Tank makes flexibility compatible with many commonly used pesticides. So what about that broad-spectrum botanical insecticide you're looking for? Look no more. Aza Direct Botanical Insecticide. Always read and follow label directions from Gowan Company. I feel like the more shows we do, the more we get to know each other. You know what I mean? I know you, you know me. Oh, look, we're just regular people, right? I mow my yard, you mow your yard. Regular stuff. And when it comes to promoting open field radio, I need regular people to tell other regular people this show is happening. So tell somebody. Knock on somebody's door, call them up, send them a text, whatever, and tell them you're listening to open field radio, and by golly, they should be too. It'll be awesome, I promise, because that's what friends do at Open Field Radio. Quick shout out to some places we know are listening to Open Field Radio. Hello to Grand Meadow, Minnesota, Rock Island, Illinois, Upper Marlboro, Maryland, La Jolla, California, Quarryville, PA, and Dublin, Ireland. Thanks for listening. From the Gowan Global Studio deep inside the Lee Hotel, this is Open Field Radio. Let's go back for a minute to the the science part of it, the cultivation part of it. Where does it start? When you say, we're growing truffles, what's next? So in order to grow truffles, you have to plant trees. You have to plant saplings. Uh, the truffle uh, fungus actually lives on the roots of host trees, such as oak trees and hazelnut trees. So the truffle fungus exists with the host trees in a symbiotic relationship um, on the roots of those trees. It, the, the fungus actually helps the trees absorb nutrients from the soil, 
And in return, the trees provide the truffle fungus with sugar and energy because the, the fungus itself is underground and cannot photosynthesize. So in order to, to, to grow truffles, then you would plant saplings that have been inoculated with the truffle fungus on the roots, and then you wait. Uh, so typically, the, the, wait, the waiting period is about five to, to seven years uh, if you do everything correctly. Then you start harvesting your first truffles. And once you start harvesting, then the truffles produce every year for up to 60 to 80 years. It's a long-term project. Is there a truffle season? Is there a, you know, a calendar part of the year that is truffle season? Yes. For example, the Paraguay black truffle has a season that extends from about the middle of December to about the middle of, of March, plus minus a couple of weeks. And the Italian white truffle has an earlier season that starts sometime in October and extends to the first part of December. And sometimes, if we're lucky, it extends to the end of December. And then there's something called uh, the burgundy truffle, which is more of a summer and autumn type of truffle that can be available from June, July, August, all the way through December. So it depends on the species. Different species have different harvest seasons. If it's truffle season and they grow underground on host trees, how do you know you have them? How, how do you know if you... Um, you're being successful. If you're being successful. Okay, very good question. So there are two metrics for success. That, that we use from a scientific perspective. When your truffle orchard is, is relatively young, before the five to seven year mark, uh, when, when it's not mature enough to produce any truffles yet, the metric of success there is to look at how well the truffle fungus is doing on the roots of the host trees. The most frequent mode of failure that we have seen with uh, folks that are not affiliated with, uh, with us uh, is that um, their host trees no longer contain any truffle fungus um, activity. So, that, so that's the first necessary element that you have to have, and that is you have to have a, a healthy a population of truffle fungus. And we uh, analyze the roots uh, from our client partner truffle orchards to assess uh, the vibrancy and the activity level of, um, uh, of, the, of the fungal colony. That's, that's the first metric of success. And then, the, and then the second metric of success, once you are um, old enough to produce truffles, then is, um, do you produce truffles? And, and how much truffles do you produce? Without the initial fungus, there's no truffles. That's it. You can plant whatever you want to. That's right. If the fungus isn't there, forget it. That's right. And does the tree, the kind of tree, matter? You mentioned oak and, and uh, hazelnut, if I'm not mistaken. You know, I couldn't just plant a ficus in my yard with some fungus and hope for the best. That's, that's right. Um, not all trees can harbor uh, the, the, the truffle fungus. So, for instance, a successful tree, whether it's a, a hazelnut tree or an oak tree or whatever it might be, is that specific to the, to the, the flavor and the aroma of the truffle itself? Uh, no. The tree species doesn't really matter. If two different species of trees are, in, are, are infected with the same truffle fungus, uh, then they will produce equivalent uh, truffles. So the type of tree uh, doesn't have a whole lot of impact on the, uh, on the actual truffles that, um, that are produced in terms of flavor and quality. But the tree species does have a significant 
influence on the yield and how much truffle you actually get. So the American Truffle Company was founded to offer client partners a much more reliable and predictable truffle cultivation process based entirely on top-notch science and continuing research. Robert's going to talk all about this. The methodology, recommendations, and expertise they bring include every aspect of truffle cultivation, harvest, and distribution from soil chemistry to irrigation, from orchard and tree management to truffle sales, and from truffle dog training to harvesting. Robert says the customary truffle cultivation method of trial and error without rigorous scientific basis accounts for the extremely high failure rate of truffle orchards. Here's Robert to talk about the start of the company. So Paul and I started it at the end of 2007. And how long did it take to be successful? Well, this is a a long-term endeavor. As I mentioned, once you plant the trees, you you need to wait five to seven years to produce your first truffles if you did everything correctly. And not everybody does everything correctly. So our business model is one where we would partner uh, with our clients. So for example, if someone uh, has a piece of land and they're interested in truffles and they want to um, they want to ensure success by using uh, science to grow truffles, then they would um, they would come to us and uh, we would actually. Um, uh, partner with them. Uh, so, so this is a partnership that we enter into with our client partner growers. Um, and so we're not, uh, we're not consultants. We don't, we, our, our model is not a kind of a consultant type of model. So we'll provide uh, a number of things. We'll provide inoculated trees. So these are trees that have been inoculated with the truffle fungus. Um, and that's where a significant part of the technology and the science um, uh, goes into. How do you actually inoculate a tree? Conceptually, it's very simple. You take a, you take a sapling and you, you make the, the truffle spores stick to the roots. Okay. Conceptually, that's what happens. But, sure. but exactly how, it, how you do it and how do you do it in a way that prevents contaminating truffle species from uh, also attaching onto the roots, that uh, is an extraordinarily difficult and challenging thing to do. And so that's where a lot of the scientific efforts and the technology go into. So that's the first thing that we provide. And without disclosing anything, this is a proprietary process you guys have developed, correct? That's correct, yes. Fantastic. And I think that the, the fascinating thing to me is the whole truffle, if it's an industry, it's interesting, but why is it shrouded in so much mystery? Why is it so guarded? Is it their value? Is it just the love of the truffle or is there something else to it? That, that's an excellent question. It actually depends on where you are. The reason for the secrecy in Europe is uh, is different from the secrecy here in North America. So. Um, people have been harvesting truffles, uh, digging up truffles for centuries uh, in Europe. So, and the reason that it's shrouded in secrecy is obviously, you know, truffles are very expensive. So the, per- the Perigord black truffle, Chuba Milano Sporum, they're known to command up to uh, $1,200 a pound. Yeah. So, so they're very expensive. So obviously when you have found a patch of forest that produces the black truffle, you, you want to keep that all to yourself. <laughs> sure, and so, sure. Right? And so historically, truffles have essentially have been found in the wild. Successful truffle cultivation really didn't become a thing until the 20th century. 
prior to that, it's all from wild sources. And so if your grandfather knew a secret spot to, to harvest nice, big uh, black truffles, he's not going to tell anybody. Sure, he's going to hand sure. it down to your, to your father. Your father is going to hand it down to you. And then so this is how it stays in the family, and it's, and it's a secret. So that's why it's so secretive uh, in, in Europe. In North America, in the U.S., it's, um, it's secretive because people don't know how to grow it. And those that do don't want others to, to know, and therefore they don't talk about it. That's why for us, when we partner with our plant partners, we, we disclose everything. We actually you know, teach them everything there is to know about maintaining their truffle orchards, how, what do they do to, to, to optimize the soil chemistry, uh, everything that's, um, that is required to, to produce truffles. And we do all of that under non-disclosure agreement. Oh, so sure. we keep that uh, keep, we keep that scientific know-how within our family of client partners. So truffles in America is kind of an elusive thing. Everybody knows that France and Italy are known for truffles, but America not so much yet. This information coming from Eater.com. France has harvested hundreds of tons of farmed black Paragord truffles since the 1800s and its peak in the 19th century when France recorded a thousand ton harvest. Now, if you're a corn farmer, wheat farmer, grain farmer of any kind, those numbers are small. We know that. But these numbers are important because when you get to the American numbers, you really start to scratch your head a little bit. But understand, this is a work in progress. According to a 1994 Wall Street Journal article, William Greiner farmed a Mendocino County farm and grew America's first farm truffle in 1987. Like most truffle farmers, he never released his yield numbers, but his orchard was described as overflowing. Take that as you will. Greiner could likely have been the most successful truffle farmer in American history, and he produced consistent crops until he died in 2008. At that point, the farm was simply abandoned. There's a head scratcher. The only other American truffle farm that had the same longevity as Griner's is Garland Truffles in Hillsboro, North Carolina. The company says it harvested around, ready for this, 50 pounds of cultivated Paragord truffles a year between 1993 and 2004. 50 pounds. Though the truffles sold for between $300 and $500 a pound, Still 50 pounds. In Tennessee, Tom Michaels is credited as growing the largest recorded commercial crop in U.S. history in the 2008-2009 season, 200 pounds of Paragord truffles. Eastern Tennessee, Tom Leonard, he had 50 trees with an annual harvest of up to 30 pounds. So what companies like American Truffle Company and people like Robert are trying to do is get the science dialed in, obviously to get the harvest larger and continue the product development. How prevalent in North America are truffles? Uh, very, very prevalent. Uh, although success is, um, is very, very far um, uh, if you're and if you're in between, if you're not following the scientific methodology, and the vast majority of people who are trying to grow truffles are not, I would say over 95% of the people who are growing truffles are are using kind of the traditional trial and error methodology without any without much science involved, and that's the methodology, that's the approach that has a 98% chance of failure, even though there are uh, hundreds of truffle orchards across uh, North America, the, the ones that are successful actually have been able to, to, to harvest any truffles, you can count on one hand. Although it's prevalent, the effort is very prevalent, but success is, is very few. Well, what's the perfect condition then? What's the perfect condition in North America to grow a truffle? 
Growing truffles is very similar to raising children. You have to have two things, nature and nurture. So nature comes in three things. One is your climate. Two is the soil condition. And three is the actual trees that have been inoculated with the truffles. All right. So that's nature. And then nurture, which is equally important, just as raising, uh, raising children, if you're missing either nature or nurture, you're not going to be successful. So nurture in, 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 in truffle cultivation means how do you maintain your truffle orchard? How do you maintain the right soil chemistry? What is the right soil chemistry? And how do you irrigate? How much water and how frequently? And what is the right pattern to irrigate? And how do you prune your trees, for example? And, um, and how far apart do you plant your trees? Um, because uh, density actually matters a great deal because you know, some truffles, they prefer to have sunlight hitting the ground. And so they have to be planted farther uh, apart. And other truffles like to have shade uh, on the ground. So you want to plant them closer to each other. So the nurture part is equally uh, important. So the perfect environment really has to take into account both the nature and the nurture part. So there are actually suitable climates in, in North America. You're located where? Uh, I'm located in the San Francisco Bay Area, but we have client partners all over the U.S. Actually, in, in North America, we have to have them in, in Canada as well. So because we provide the science and the know-how, it's really where our client partners are located that really matters. Well, you've got weather conditions, you've got soil chemistry, uh, your irrigation processes, etc. Is there one of those that with you're, you're talking with a potential client partner and it's like, nope, you got to have this one. We can get everything else happening, but you got to have this going on. Yes. So climate is the most clear example, whether you are in a suitable area or you're not. If you're in the middle of Montana, for example, it's too cold and the, in the winter the ground freezes and you cannot, um, you cannot grow the Paraguay black truffle. People come to us all the time to try to see if their location is suitable for truffle. So, so we actually have an interactive map that we've constructed that shows you uh, whether a given location in North America uh, is conducive to truffles from a, from, a, from a climate perspective. In North America, is Central California climate the ideal place? Actually, Central California, depending on where you are, the, the Central Valley is too hot. But up and down the coast is fine, uh, all the way throughout uh, wine country and even as far inland uh, as uh, Sacramento area. Uh, and then as you go into the foothills, it cools off as well. So the foothills of the Sierra Nevadas are also uh, conducive uh, for truffles. And in fact, you're, you're, now you're based in Arizona. Uh, there are actually locations in Arizona that are conducive to truffles, as well as New Mexico. So the higher elevations with cooler summers uh, are, in fact, uh, very much suitable. We, have, we actually have truffle orchards in New Mexico. Coast to coast and around the world. You're listening to Open Field Radio. We keep our boots muddy and our ears tuned to the thorny challenges of agriculture. That just sounds cool, doesn't it? Because it's the truth. The Gowan Group is a global, family-owned agriculture solution business headquartered in Yuma, Arizona. Gowan specializes in developing, marketing, and processing agricultural inputs such as crop protection products, seeds, and fertilizers. Gowan has grown markets in the majority of the agricultural regions globally. A deep respect for science and a passion for agriculture drives Gowan Company to help growers solve their critical pest and plant health issues. Let's say it together. 
Gowan Company. Cool people having conversations about agriculture and life. Open Field Radio. This is Chandler Bennett, Paravac, Salinas, California. Pilots of Bombardier, all bugs out, bombs away. Season 1, Episode 10, and you're listening to Open Field Radio. And now back to Open Field Radio with our guest, American Truffle Company's Robert Chang. Talk to me about the Napa Truffle Festival. This is your baby, yes? That's right. So, I, you know, I wanted to have an event that introduces consumers as well as folks who are interested in growing truffles, you know, to truffles in North America. And I wanted this to be an extremely high quality. So every year... Uh, we put on the Napa Truffle Festival typically in January over the Martin, the Martin Luther King Jr. long weekend. We invite um, anywhere between three to five Michelin star chefs to the Truffle Festival every year to showcase the best of truffle cuisine. And we invite Michelin star chefs not only from this country, uh, but uh, internationally from Europe as well. We've done it for 10 years now. Over the years, um, we've uh, had the honor and the pleasure of working with many, many Michelin star chefs uh, around the world. So I find it interesting that when you ask people, just a conversation, you ask someone about truffles, one of the first things that comes up is truffle dogs. Now, I didn't know a whole lot about truffle dogs because admittedly, I don't know a lot about truffles, but that doesn't matter because the dogs are cool. So I thought a little insight to the dogs might be something that you you might find interesting. The truffle dog or truffle hunter, if there was a breed, it would be the Lagoto Ramanolo, if I said that right. It's a medium-sized dog, curly coat, and comes from Italy. That's pretty handy in the truffle world. And according to the AKC, the breed is uniquely scent-driven and a lot of fun. However, if you're a dog lover, just a regular dog lover, and you're wondering if uh, Fido on the couch there has the skills, the talents, and abilities to be a truffle hunter, uh, let's look at this a little bit. Terriers, they say they're easily distracted. Not a good thing. Hounds, uh, there's just too many smells in the world for a hound to focus on. Sight hounds, well, they're always looking up. And short-snouted dogs, well, they obviously have a disadvantage, but still have a keen sense of smell. Now, this I can attest to firsthand. I am a pug owner, and I have had pugs, more than one as a matter of fact, that they will go out in the yard, and their thing is to dig grubs. You know, those big, fat, like the size of your thumb worm things in your yard. And that's all they'll dig up. They'll sniff and sniff and sniff till they find those grubs, dig those things up, bring them in the house, show them to you. Pugs. Yeah, so the truffle dogs... The, you know, historically people have used pigs, but pigs are, are big and unwieldy and they, they like to eat the truffles. So not ideal. Uh, so, 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 so in modern days, we use um, dogs um, exclusively and these dogs have to be trained. The most common question I get asked is, well, what is the best, the best breed of, uh, of dogs? Well, it turns out that there actually isn't necessarily uh, one breed that, uh, that is best. Uh, it turns out that most dogs have uh, have noses that um, that are sensitive enough uh, to to find truffles. That's that's not the problem. Uh, but it turns out that it's the personality that matters more than uh, the breed. Because you could have the best nose in the world, but if all you're interested in is, is sitting in front of the TV and watching TV all day, you're not going to be a very good truffle dog. A part of uh, of the scientific expertise, part of the scientific knowledge. Uh, extends to ha- having partners who train truffle dogs professionally. All of our client partners who are growing truffles with us, they are very much into training uh, their dogs as well. 
What's your favorite truffle dish? You got something you just love? Yeah, absolutely. A truffle is something that is best done in simple ways. Unless you're a Michelin star chef and then you know how to work the magic. <laughs> but for home chefs, you can achieve the same result as if you're going to a Michelin star restaurant by making things in simple ways and let the truffle flavor shine through. So some of the best ways that I've had truffle cooked is with pasta. Uh, very occasionally, when, when we get lucky, we can get both the Italian white truffle and the Perigord black truffle together in late December, early January. And when I have both of them, I would cook up a bucatini pasta. Uh-huh, That's sure. the pasta with the, uh, with, the, with the hollow center. So that gives it a nice, um, a nice texture. I would actually also put some other mushroom uh, in there, oyster mushrooms, maitake mushrooms, mild flavor mushrooms in there to give it uh, that further uh, fungal uh, texture. And then put cream in it. And, oh, and, the, and the important ingredient here are eggs. It turns out that the best way to store truffles, fresh truffles, would be with fresh eggs. If you put fresh eggs and truffles in the same container, sealed, the truffle aroma is so strong and so pervasive, the aroma actually penetrates through the eggshell and infuses the egg yolk. So chemically, the truffle flavor, the truffle aroma is both fat-soluble and alcohol-soluble. It's not water-soluble. So you can cook truffle all day. <laughs> the water wouldn't taste anything, anything like truffles. Gotcha. That's why, uh, because it's fat-soluble, very often when you see um, truffles in a dish, it's um, combined with cream, butter, cheese, fats that can make the, the truffle flavor dissolve in them. So what I do is I would store fresh eggs with, uh, with my truffles for 48 hours. That pretty, pretty much thoroughly infuses uh, the egg yolk. So, and I take the egg yolk and the egg, egg yolk only because the egg white doesn't really uh, absorb as much uh, a truffle flavor. Uh, and then I, I use the, the, the egg yolk uh, in the sauce for the pasta very much like you would um, uh, with carbonara. And then you put the pasta in there, toss it, and then you shave um, additional black truffles and white truffles <laughs> on top of that. That is a, an incredibly addictive and decadent uh, <laughs> dish. So that's my favorite way. If people want to know more about you or the American Truffle Company, how do they find you? So um, uh, we're on the web, um, americantruffle.com. And, um, uh, and if you're interested in the Napa Truffle Festival, uh, it's simply napatrufflefestival.com. What's your favorite thing about truffles? Of course, the aroma, the flavor, the, the allure of truffles, I love all of that. But the, the fact that you can only get truffles um, uh, during the truffle season, during that you know, short few months of the year, that's what makes it exciting and valuable. Because if you, if you, can, if you can go out and buy it every day of the year, then it's you know, not a big deal anymore. I think that's, that's my favorite aspect about truffles. You've been listening to Open Field Radio from Gowan Company. Like, share, subscribe, review. Everywhere podcasts are found. The views and opinions expressed by the guests of Open Field Radio are theirs and do not necessarily reflect those of the program. All rights reserved. No duplication or redistribution without permission.